pandemic happening, so I'm really not yes, doing this all is that true. much. This is true. <laughs> um, and because of that, I've had to resort to remote recording. Mm-hmm. I, when I first started doing this, it was all about um, like having people in a room talking to each other. Right. I remember you telling me that. Yeah. And, of course, that can't happen now. Yeah. Have now, you done a few remote recordings? No, you con- congratulations. You are the first one. <gasps> wow. As you can tell by the 20 minutes of troubleshooting <laughs> before we started. Yeah, we're here now though, so. Yeah. Yeah. And uh when was the last time we saw each other? Do you I think it was at the Litchfield Jazz Festival. Yes, it was. 20 It was a couple years ago. 7 16, 17? 17. It was either 17 or 18. It was 17. Yeah. Okay. And since then, you you graduated from school. Mm Mm-hmm. You moved to L.A. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you started putting out stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yep. (laughs) That's exactly right. And uh, did was uh, what, what exactly made you want to go to L.A.? So the school that I went to, Emerson College, they have a campus in LA, right in Hollywood on Sunset Boulevard. And that's a huge draw to the school itself. Um, A lot of people will go to Emerson and then finish their last semester of school at the LA campus. And then that's a really easy way to just kind of get your foot in the door in the entertainment industry. Yeah. So like Emerson is a big school for marketing, film, and performing arts, like acting, theater type things. And I study film. And, you know, it's obviously not what I'm pursuing now. (laughs) But I definitely was drawn to the LA program because the way it works is you take classes part-time and then you get an internship as well that counts towards college credit. So you do your internship and then you're exposing yourself to the entertainment industry or whatever industry you're interested in, in LA. And it's, it makes the transition out there a lot easier. So yeah, I don't, my mindset was always like, yeah, I'll like, I'll do the LA program. And if I don't like it, I'll like, I don't know, move to Spain or something. I can do whatever. But um, I don't think I even really gave myself a chance to not like it. I just did it. It's really cool to know because I I applied to Emerson College mm-hmm. uh, and almost went there. Oh, really? And was never aware of this um, them this this thing about like having a satellite campus in LA mm-hmm. and like having people finish out their degree there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really cool. It's definitely a great school. I'm glad I went there. <laughs> okay. Just one thing. Uh, I think if you could now, I feel uh, weird telling you this now but um if you could move your the the the, uh, the gain in the mm-hmm. gain knob on your microphone just a back a smidge maybe back to noon okay i think like as you're like getting into uh saying things into a microphone you're probably like subconsciously moving closer to it mm. right okay so i think <laughs> i think uh, i think that's good now back, and yeah. um mics are hard mic guys mics are hard <laughs> Mark, microphones are hard to work with. <clears throat> and in fact, I'm like whenever I'm video video chatting with people for like class or whatever, I find myself adjust, constantly adjusting my my mic stand because mm. there are times when like I even filmed a video, uh, but 
based on the angle of where my camera's at and like the way I set up my microphone, it looked like this. Like I, <laughs> I was totally up like this. Nice. <laughs> which, which, that's not very descriptive because it's going to be a podcast, an audio only podcast. But the way I'm talking into the mic right now, it's like it's a dynamic microphone. But and instead of having it pointed straight into my mouth, I'm up on it like my lips are on the side of it. And um, <clears throat> have you, have you, you? Have, I imagine you haven't had to deal with a lot of, say, video chatting with people lately. I actually have. I'm still working. I'm working from home. I'm one of the lucky okay. ones who still has a job. Um, okay. So all of our meetings have been moved to Zoom and things like that. Work? So we yeah. video chat video chat often, but I never like hook up my microphone or anything. I just you know put in a pair of headphones and call it a day. It's. I thought I um now that I have all this gear with me, I've I've made it a point to always use it mm. because why not if I have it. You know? Yeah, that's so, fair. And also so that I sound much better compared to my classmates Ooh. on a Zoom call or whatever. Yeah, we love that. <laughs> In fact, last week I had, um, last week was the first week of classes for me. And the it was a film class and we were all meeting on Zoom. And then when I pop up, like the teacher's like, something, something. Oh, hey, there's Benson with his, uh, look, he's got, he's got a, a fancy ass expensive microphone. <laughs> like, well, it's. The reason you call it fancy just because you see an XLR cable coming out of it? <laughs> yes. Probably. I mean, I wouldn't fancy. call it as expensive. It's just a, it's like a hundred dollar mic and it's just a SM58 for you, uh, you, uh, audio files out there. <laughs> uh, and, um, sometimes I, uh, here I am subconsciously adjusting my mic stand again. I, know. I've never, <laughs> I can never find a, a comfortable position for it to be in because mm. sometimes I, like change my posture, my position. Like right now, I have my my left leg on top of my right leg. Mm-hmm. Like uh, my my left ankle is on my right knee, mm-hmm. and it's like being held in place by my keep slidey keyboard uh, thing on my desk. Gotcha. But then, of course, sometimes I just my posture changes because I notice I'm terrible, or <laughs> I just end up going like hunching over in it. Because my back hurts. What if you and, just ch- change it to handheld? You just pick it up. Don't use the stand. I mean this this particular microphone, the SM58, has an internal shock mount, so that would be fine. But mm-hmm. I also, you know, I just I have a mic stand here. I want to mm-hmm. use it, and you know, I want to keep my hands free so I can yeah. gesticulate and such. You That's know? fair. I feel you. Totally understandable. And th- this is a real bougie setup I have right here because <laughs> I. Even I like my walls white in this room mm-hmm. because it's for practical reasons. Because if you if your walls are white, any light in the room is going to reflect infinitely from every corner, mm. seemingly to make it brighter. But because I didn't want to turn on my actual light in my room, yeah. And so I have see I put in some LED strip lights on a shelf that's just right above my computer monitor. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is too dark. And Skype does not have a setting to um to adjust for low light. So like I have a TV right next to my head this way. And so I put like a white a white screen there. There you go. Just a blank page. And also a lamp on my on my bed on my bed. <laughs> to see if that, if that if that can even out the uh the, the scene for yeah. you so you can actually see me. I'm lucky here in LA it's still daylight and in <laughs> probably like 
30 minutes, the light will hit the disco ball that I have hanging in my window and you will see some fun disco lighting too. So <laughs> listeners won't be able to see it, but Benson, you get to enjoy all the disco light. I love it. it. I've had this disco ball for almost two years now and like it never gets old. Every time the sun hits it, I'm like, wow. <laughs> and well, if our call goes on long enough, maybe, maybe it'll be dusk. And I'll get to see it. <laughs> but, uh, so uh, the reason I wanted to talk to you at this moment mm. was, A, when this was active, uh, when, you know, before the pandemic hit, I, mm-hmm. I, I used this kind of like an excuse to like catch up with my friends Great. sometimes. And so I haven't seen you in quite a while. Yeah. Uh, but also you just released a new single called mm-hmm. A Little Tap You. Mm-hmm. Uh, last week, I think. And I think by the time this goes up, it'll be a, it would have been a couple of weeks. Yeah. And I have to admit, when I, like, I, like I'm scrolling through posts and, like, I see, oh, she's doing a thing. <laughs> and then um, I was under the impression it was going to be, like, a full album. Mm. So then I'm looking through and, like, where's the, th- uh, it's just singles and even, <laughs> oh, it's just a single. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, I actually... At the beginning of the year, I decided I was going to put out an album. So I released my first single last September, almost a year ago. And that was so fun and so great. And like, I didn't even think that recording and releasing music was a possibility for me. And then I just did it. And I was like, cool, I can do this. Um, But yeah, I never really thought about doing an album because I never had too many songs. And my problem is I have a lot of like half written songs or like not fully finished songs. Um, but then it also occurred to me that like I can work with people and they can help me finish writing it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, once I started working on this one, a little taboo, um, I kind of realized that like actually I really could make an album. And so I had a concept for an album and in early 2020, I started working on it. I met with two friends of mine who I asked to produce it. And we had been meeting and writing some things together and starting to like kind of come up with this concept. Then the pandemic hit and I haven't, I have written some more songs. I've started some and finished others, which is great progress. We love it. But in terms of production, I haven't really made any moves on that. Um, So it'll be coming for sure. I had this idea with when I had finished A Little Taboo because I worked on that with a different producer. So that one was ready way before the album was ever going to be ready. And so my whole idea was that I will release them with each other. And then a little taboo will be like, here's the single for my upcoming album. But then the more time I waited on the album and the more time we spent in quarantine, I was just like, I should just release release this song. Like people are just going to want to have at least a song, you know, during quarantine when all we have to do is consume media. (laughs) So yeah, I just released it and there will be an album at some point. I can't say when. I would assume and I hope that it'll be in 2021, but we'll see. Yeah, I don't want to rush anything. I definitely want to make cool. sure it's genuine. I, I am also working on a record right now. Are you? Yes, I am. Tell me about it. It's, um, so there's not a collection of songs. Okay. It's because um, um, I spent this past summer like getting a bunch of gear, like amplifiers interfaces microphones and such because mm-hmm. like i really want i also bought that bass guitar over there i know i see all the guitars lined up on the wall behind you oh yeah <laughs> and i i 
because I was really bent on like I want to make a record this summer, but then I was like, hmm, I get I should write songs. <laughs> but then I was like, wait a minute, I don't. But also like I, I'm not comfortable as a singer. I'm not hmm. much of a singer, and so I'm like, well, before that happens, if I like put out a, an album album of like songs, right? Mm-hmm. I would like I'm really interested in ambient music. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, I'll make an ambient record, hmm. and so. Like when I was like when, when I was scrolling through like Facebook or Instagram, I see you about to release your single. I'm like, holy! Sh-. I was out. it just makes it like made me really excited because oh wait, friends of mine are working on cool stuff too. Mm-hmm. And this uh, this record I'm working on is called Ambient One Colon Guitar, okay. and the idea behind it is every sound you hear on it is is guitar. It's mm-hmm. just it's like my Telecaster plugged. DI into the interface mm-hmm. and just recorded like that, but then like manipulated to not sound like guitar. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. So you're gonna go through like ambient to bass, yes. things like that. You're gonna just keep <laughs> yeah, going like, with different instruments. Yeah, like um, I have an idea of amp, like say ambient two might be like just keyboard mm-hmm. or um, uh, just voice. Because mm-hmm. in that case, I'm manipulating it so much to not sound like what it originally was. Like, mm-hmm. I don't have to be a skilled singer to make ambient music out of vocals. Mm-hmm. It's true. And you also don't even have to sing to make ambient music out of vocals. No, not necessarily. You could just be <laughs> like a really fast rant. Yeah. Then slow down <laughs> like to uh, 400%. Mm-hmm. And then it drops down like uh, two octaves and it just sounds like garbled mush. Mm-hmm. Would you do you think you would do a record with multiple instruments combined or are you going to keep it all separated? Um the idea is like um to explore like the reason I wanted to make like this particular record just guitar was like uh I wanted the restriction the of like just it being guitar and not just guitar but just literally one guitar mm-hmm. to like really drive the the like creative ambition funnel the creative energy so that's like limitations are what drive great art no mm-hmm. hmm. it's an interesting way of looking at it but yeah the um like for for other ones it will be like maybe i'll exhaust like guitar and piano and then uh, or vocal and then move on to other ones where it is like i allow i quote unquote allow myself more instruments to work with yeah yeah, because I, li- I do like the idea of being like, I made all this with just one guitar. But then, like, there could be a whole other element with the keyboard that would complement it so well, and you wouldn't even know because you're not yeah. using it. Yeah. <laughs> and um, because I have no friends, or not many friends, <laughs> let's say one friend <laughs> so far, that's you, but you live in L.A. Aww. So I... Uh, along with me, like getting all this gear and whatever, I've spent like the past year learning about recording mm, mm-hmm. because I figured, you know, now is like the best time to like if you're a musician and you really want to like get stuff made and get it out there. Mm-hmm. Now is like it's never been a better time to like try to learn it, learn to do everything. Totally. Yourself, you yeah, know? absolutely. So I've been like researching, learning about like microphones uh, interfaces. I got some studio monitors. Nice. Here. Uh, my camera is sitting on top of one of them. And, uh, you know, like amplifiers, uh, guitar pedals and such, other hmm. instruments, and like learning how to mix sound. 
especially because like um I'm majoring in film at at my school and nice. one of the like pitfalls of their program or I, I would say like most programs in film mm-hmm. it feels like they never really have a competent understanding or lesson plan about sound production hmm. you know I think it depends Emerson definitely did but it's because there were people who majored specifically in audio engineering so like as somebody who went the more visual route, I did not <laughs> learn that much about like yeah. sound mixing. I learned, you know, how to operate a boom and pretty general things like that. Um, but no, if I was ever to be on set, like there was somebody there who could do that specifically because that is what they were focusing on. So, well, then it may be just be my school that sucks at it <laughs> because I have to admit that most everything I know about sound. Has been I've learned it on my own because they didn't really do too good of a job um, teaching us about it, hmm. and I think the like the one thing that really pushed me to learn about it was me trying was me launching the podcast last year. That was me thinking like I really want to learn about this, and the only way to do it is to like give myself a deadline, make like make it so that give myself pressure to do it mm-hmm. to learn about it, mm-hmm. and so I've. Like, I've been using Adobe Audition to 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 edit and mix the podcast and such, and so I'm really familiar with that now. And I'm and it's what I'm using to to mix the uh, to record and mix this uh, ambient record. Cool. Yeah, I mean that's super cool. If you're not being taught by you know your university or anyone else, giving yourself a reason to learn something that you really want to do, like not a lot of people do that. <laughs> I've been in a similar boat um, recently. Like I bought some – I mean I I got this microphone and my interface at the beginning of quarantine. Um, My computer is currently sitting on my keyboard (laughs) that I just bought from a friend of mine. Um, So I'm definitely trying to expand my knowledge in various areas of music as well. I want to learn more about production too, try and find some classes that I can take. And one of my friends has been doing some theory classes with me because it's been – I haven't done theory since high school. So I'm trying, but I definitely haven't given myself the kind of push that sounds like you've given yourself. And friends or no friends, we're all in quarantine right now, so we all have the time to do it anyway, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, I'm not seeing anyone. I could just mm. spend all my time with my music. Yeah. And um, uh, I think uh, this, um, this interest in, like, learning about recording and such has been – it's, like, scaffolded from previous efforts of mine where – um, I'm at the University of Hartford, mm-hmm. and when I first enrolled there, I wanted to like take music theory classes on the side because mm-hmm. I like I like like I love music too much to not like want to learn more. Right? Mm-hmm. But then I've um, for, through some way or another, I found out like I had a, some credits that could like act as music electives. Hmm. I'm like cool, <laughs> and then. Of course, I was, I was like, I'm gonna, totally going to take the next theory class. I'm like, I'm like halfway into a minor. Yeah, pretty much. I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take as much as I can. I like, like, um, so I've taken a couple of theory courses. Um, I've, a few courses in guitar, um, learning about like jazz and classical guitar. Mm-hmm. And now I'm currently enrolled in a a course called sound technology, which is basically like a survey course 
about recording. That's cool. Do you find that helpful? We've only had one class so far. Mm. Oh, so that's like and, currently this semester. Yeah. When did you start uh, classes? Uh, it was on last Wednesday. Hmm. We started classes. Are you doing them the all semester. virtually? Or are you actually going in? Um, some of them are virtual. Um, there's a lot of them are hybrid. Huh. And so far, the only class I have that like is actually going to meet in person only is that sound technology course. Mm. Do you feel safe doing it? Yeah, the um, the University of Hartford has taken plenty of, plenty of measures and precautions to to make sure everyone's safe. Like um, at literally every student except for people who plan to take everything online or are able to are required to get tested. Hmm. Uh, How before, often? Uh, it was uh, the stipulation was within fourteen days of moving in or the first day of classes, you should hmm. get a negative uh, a test and have it come back negative. And if you are, if you test positive, you'll be quarantined in your room hmm. wow. and you're not allowed to leave. Like people will bring your lunch to you. Damn. That's crazy. And, um, yeah. they also, they required everyone to download an app called live safe. Mm, I think Emerson's doing that too. Where, um, you go through a health screening where it's just like, Hey, like, how are you feeling today? Mm-hmm. Do you have any symptoms etc have you tested positive hmm. and so if you pass it like you're not feeling terrible then 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 you will be allowed to enter the campus and hmm. go to class interesting but yeah back to your sound class that you were talking about just curious about how how situation right now you know okay for those listening we um we ran into some technical difficulties and uh, this happens to be a different day from the original day we were recording. Um, as you can hear, I'm in a little bit better voice today than the other day. And we, uh, we're going to try this again. I think the last thing we were talking about before things went south was um, at the uni- like I was telling you about how at my school, the University of Hartford, the COVID precautions of um, everyone had to get tested before they came in. Everyone has to download an app that does a daily health screening. Uh, it goes without saying, but everyone's required to wear masks on campus. All the rooms have the desks um, <clears throat> arranged so that they're six feet apart. And most of the classes are hybrid or most of it's going to be online. So a lot of like a lot of my half of my classes are completely remote. Some of them are hybrid so like these split up the amount of people they some meet on one day the other meet the other half meets on another day and so far the only class that's meeting only in person is my sound technology course <laughs> i can't imagine what doing that right now would be like oh it's uh <clears throat> it's weird yeah i'm sure like right now i'm at this current moment i only have to go to I, i've always commuted to school like I went to community college and then I transferred to Hartford and I've only ever commuted to school. But mm-hmm. um, at this current moment, I only have to go to campus one day a week. Wow. That's really not bad. I mean, I don't have to go into work any days a week. So <laughs> <laughs> I literally just sit at home. That's it. That's all I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's just, just going to drive you like stir crazy, you know? A little bit. Um, no, I do more than just that, but I mean, 
out of the seven days there are in a week, I would say like at least three of them are me just waking up, doing work and hanging out at home and like cooking food, watching TV, talking to some people. And that's pretty much it. I don't leave the house super regularly, which is weird because I mean, I used to leave every day for work. And also I would make plans all the time. So I always was going somewhere and doing something. Now that is no longer the case. Where, where do you work right now? I work for people for the ethical treatment of animals. Oh, word? Yeah. Because <laughs> oh, I, um, I remember like over the past few years, like seeing, seeing you scrolling through Facebook, seeing like, oh, she moved to LA and like she's trying to do stuff. And then yeah. like I was, I was scrolling through and I saw a video from Wisecrack. Mm-hmm. And like I, I was familiar with Wisecrack because I'm a fan of Thug Nuts. Mm-hmm. And and then I saw like like several people just gathered talking about something. I'm like, who, wait, who's yeah, that? Oh, oh, about, well, that's, oh, that's Felice. Yeah, I know we're that girl. About whether or not we were all living in a simulation. Yeah, I actually interned there um, when I did my internship at the Emerson Los Angeles campus for my yeah. last semester of school. I interned at Wisecrack, and so I got to be in the video. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's fun. That's really cool. The uh, um, How long were you there for? At Wisecrack? Yeah. Just a semester. So like four months maybe. And and when you say intern, you mean like you went, got coffee, and then appeared in that one video? Is that, <laughs> Pretty is much. <laughs> no, I was a creative development intern. So um, they actually like didn't have much of an Instagram presence at that point. So me and some of the other interns made that a thing. Um, it was sort of like... They wanted us to get out of it what we wanted and also, like, what we put in. Mm-hmm. So there were some people that were really interested in, like, post-production. So they helped a lot with editing and went that direction. A friend of mine was interested in producing, so she produced a couple episodes for them. I didn't really know what I was interested in, but mostly social media. So I did a lot of social media-related things for them. Um, but then they also, like, taught us a few different things. They actually, like, showed us um, – they, like – basically how to run one of their podcasts when they had just started doing the Rick and Morty podcast. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was cool. It was a fun experience. And everyone was super nice, super fun. There were two really freaking adorable office dogs. <laughs> <laughs> so it was fun, yeah. And now, um, how long have you been working for the, the, uh, the people that ethically treat animals? <laughs> um, I've been there for just over a year. I started last August. And what do you do there? I started out as a social media assistant, and now I am a content producer on the social media team. So I'm, I, and I specifically work on TikTok. So I'm pretty much Peta's official TikTok girl. <laughs> I um, I'm, I feel like a, an old coot because like <laughs> I'd never heard of TikTok until like last semester. Mm. I mean, it really blew up recently, especially during quarantine. I feel like phase one of quarantine was everyone learning TikTok dances. Yeah, but I realized like it's been a, it's like it's been around for, for like a good while now. Yeah, a minute. And it so, used to be musically. Do you know that one? I'm sorry. <laughs> it used to be an app called Musically. Um, basically, really? it was just a oh. bunch of like tweens lip syncing and doing stuff like that and then musically oh. became tiktok and so there's still a big like lip syncing kind of aspect to it but 
It's a lot yeah. of different content that's made there. I mean, I remember like back back in the old days when um <laughs> uh like when Vine was a thing. Oh yeah. And like I remember having Vine for like a mm-hmm. minute and then being bored by it or not exactly being bored by it. I mean, like there were people who made good content. Like I especially enjoyed Bo Burnham's vines. Mm. Yeah. But um, I was like, I don't really need this. Like, I'm not going to make vines and shit. So, <laughs> and, then, and then of course, but, and then like not too long after I tried to get into vine, it like get died. Yeah, that was sad. I really liked vine. And so I really liked TikTok too. I didn't like TikTok when I first started using it, but now I do. Um, that's like a big joke among TikTokers is like, we all joined this as a joke and now we're addicted. And it's like, yeah, that's really <laughs> true. But yeah, I always loved I always loved Vine. I won a Vine contest once. Doing what? And I won. I made a video about a scarf. I made a video about an app, basically. Like these two really big creators did this ad campaign for this website that I actually used a lot. So I was like, oh, fuck yeah, I'm going to make a video to this. And I won the contest. And I won $500. And then I also... um, got revined by those creators so <laughs> yeah i kind of like was nine famous after that that's not true i had like two thousand followers <laughs> i <laughs> once so got nice. the top comment of the day on reddit yeah. oh nice that, that's, that's fun that's my internet fame I and of have, course it's reddit so it's anonymous anyway yeah i left a comment on a tiktok that went viral it has like over a hundred thousand likes and every day i get notifications of people liking the comment and i'm like i'm never commenting on anything ever again i like i left that comment months ago like probably in june and it's still i'm still getting notifications every day (laughs) it's ridiculous i hear like um so the first time i really heard of it was last semester and i hear i just i'm just like hearing people talk about tiktok i'm like what the Mm -hmm. fuck is that tiktok Mm -hmm. that's a kesha song and it's it's and all and but then i'm like i hear and i'm like what the hell is tiktok looking at like oh it's like vine yeah except it's chinese spyware yeah it It is very similar there is some similar content to vine that's like the the gold and then there's some really crap content too but yeah in general i enjoy it that goes for every platform yeah but but i'll but so like I'm not well. I'm not so much into like social media. Like, it, I have an Instagram account, but mm-hmm. haven't touched it in five years, mm. and because I got bored by it. And mm. same as I related earlier about Vine, I'm like, yeah, I, sh- I don't, I don't need this. Mm. And so, like, I never wanted or felt the need to get into TikTok, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of glad I didn't because, again, Chinese spyware. <laughs> <laughs> So I've never downloaded on my phone, and I'm, I think I'm better off for it. Yeah, I know a lot of people who are pretty actively against it. Um, but honestly, aren't all social media platforms spying on you? It's just that not all of them are Chinese. <laughs> but yeah, that's some of them like, are American. <laughs> yeah, most. That's a good place to be. Hello, I'm Google. Very, <laughs> I'm very attached to social media in a lot of different ways like many different platforms. I'd say the biggest one for me is Instagram for sure. But yeah, I mean, I kind of, I don't know. It's a love hate relationship. I really enjoy it. Clearly I have a, I made a job out of it. And I also love the process of marketing myself online. Like when I release music, I'm using, I'm using TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, I'm using everything that I can. And I get a lot of enjoyment out of that. But 
I don't know. It is hard. Like it kind it can be a waste of time. It can yeah. make yeah. people feel like they can replace face to face in person connections, which isn't true. Yeah. There's, you know, a lot wrong with it, but a lot I mean, right with it. So. In some ways I like force myself to, um, to engage with social media. Like yeah. I'm really active on Facebook in terms of like promoting the podcast page. Mm-hmm. And like, I even made my own website, uh, for, for the podcast and has links to like, Oh, the Facebook page, my Twitter account, which like that, the podcast also publishes to my Twitter account. Mm. Um, and like, uh, all like seven or eight other different like podcast platforms that people might use to, to, to listen to podcasts, like, like Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google mm-hmm. play, and, uh, all those things. But like, for some reason I never got, I never, because like I was so inactive on Instagram cause I didn't like, I got, like the reason I fell off is because I got bored by it. Mm-hmm. And, but like, even though it probably would be beneficial, I never got into promoting the podcast on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't really use Twitter or Facebook that much at all anymore. Um, Twitter, I'm using a little bit more, but usually I just retweet my friends and the tweets that I have made for PETA and things like that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I hear you. Like, not all of it is super enjoyable. I particularly love Instagram and TikTok, so posting content on there is great. But I forget to post on my artist page on Facebook all the time. And also because my following is just so different. You know, I'm the most active on Instagram, so of course I'm going to have the biggest following there. And same with TikTok versus Facebook. Like, I rarely post or interact with people on it anymore. So. I mean, I remember I used to care so much when I changed my profile picture. I would do it at a certain time and I was aiming for a certain number of likes. I cared about it so much. And now I just like do it. And I'm like, oh, here's the cover photo of my new song. Go listen to it. And like three people like it. And they're like, sounds good. (laughs) It's like (laughs) not really that useful to me anymore. (laughs) Speaking of which, um, when I uh, back when you released um, like Bad Reputation, and also around this time when you released um, A Little Taboo, I would be like looking for the the song on YouTube. Mm. And you know how um, YouTube kind of auto-generates um, tracks from like an artist and they're located under like a pseudo channel that says like mm-hmm. the band name dash yeah. topic? Yeah. I found yours. Uh-huh. I found A Little Taboo not like a week ago and it said Felice Lesser. Lesser, and yeah. I recognized artwork. I'm like, what? What the hell is it? And, yeah, and it's be- because like it's a, it's a channel that like the pseudo artist channel, but it's like a mishmash of just every single person with the name Felice who has published music to YouTube, or, or published music in general. Yeah, you at, you know more about it than I do. I just discovered that my music was on YouTube in that form a couple weeks ago. And it happened because a friend of mine was doing a theory lesson with me and he decided to use Bad Reputation. He was like, we're just going to reharm this and I can like show you with your own song. And he was playing it on YouTube and I saw like my album cover and the YouTube video and I was like, what? I didn't post that. What is that? And so I looked it up and I found Felice Lesser and I was like, what is this? And I was really confused. I was like, this should be monetized. This is my song. 
Um, but then I realized it's my distributor. Like my distributor publishes it to YouTube. And I noticed, yeah, I noticed the other videos. I wasn't really sure what it was, so I didn't really look into it that much. But I was curious and I did look up to see if a little taboo was on there in the same way. And yeah, it is. So, so that's kind of weird. <laughs> the, the way to combat this mm. is to get so big mm. that you like that you that you like by default claim the the mononym of Felice, mm-hmm. like the way the same way Prince did, right? That's like get, the goal. Get so big, <laughs> become so successful and famous that absolutely anyone who's searching for F- Felice has to, like can only find you because you're <laughs> the biggest name. Of you're the biggest person named Felice. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Yeah, I was really intimidated to um, oh, I got a hair in my mouth to make my artist name just Felice. I was playing with a couple different ideas. I mean, my like social media is always Felice Magic because no yeah. one can pronounce Magistrali and Magic is similar. <laughs> that was my sister's nickname, so yeah. that's sort of what I adapted <clears throat> for social media. And then when I was thinking about being an artist, I was thinking maybe I'll be Felice Milena. That's my middle name, or maybe I'll come up with a new name. But like. I feel like my identity is so intertwined with who I am as an artist too. Like my brand as an artist is pretty much my personality. So it felt weird to like create a separate musical identity when I am my musical identity. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I was really intimidated to take Felice because yeah, like you said, there's Prince, there's Madonna, Beyonce. And apparently this other mishmash of people with the stage name Felice on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, there's just the the people who use their first name or only one name, they're like the greats. And I kind of feel like, who am I to assume that I can do that, you know? But all of my friends encouraged me and they were like, why would you do anything else? Because Felice isn't the most common name. I know one other Felice. No. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I just decided to go for it. And either I will become one of the greats and it'll totally pay off and nobody will ever pay attention to another Felice or not. And it doesn't really matter what happens yeah. to me. I, I was also, um, I played around with the idea of a stage name mm-hmm. and of course didn't, couldn't come up with a good one. Right. So I, like even now as I'm working on the, uh, the ambient record, um, I guess now I just, even though it's probably smart to try to find something for like marketing reasons, mm-hmm. I kind of like am just so jaded about it. I'm like, I just, uh, I just want to, I'm so tired. I just want to like make the music, put it out there. Like it's my name. Okay. What, what, what do you want? Yeah, I mean, Benson Ty sounds nice. Ty is a name that anyone could say. Well, I mean, <laughs> so well, some people like, like even now, like I'll tell people, like if they're writing my name down for something, it's like tie. It's like is that like necktie? Is it? I'm like, and then I have to say like tie, like the land, mm-hmm. and then and then if, then they can't spell that because they don't they don't <laughs> think about Thailand all that much. I'm like, and I have to spell it out loud. Like it's and and then sometimes I joke around. I, I like because I'm so jaded and mm. uh, over it. I I sometimes joke around and like say it using like the NATO phonetic alphabet like tango hotel alpha <laughs> india even though they're like we're i'm physically right in front of them yeah <laughs> <laughs> well i don't know i like 
Thailand Thai better than necktie Thai. Yeah. People yeah. will figure it out. Yeah. And like, um, I don't know, like, I suppose like using the mononym Benson, uh, I don't know. I mean, that, that might work because it, again, it's not, it's not that common of a name and it's even like especially uncommon as a first name as opposed to like say a last name. Mm, that's true. I do know a few people who has, whose last name is Benson. And then, like, I can make a record of me playing George Benson songs called Benson Plays Benson or something <laughs> like that. There you go. <laughs> but, um, like, I remember ha- I had some, like, really bad ideas for stage names when I, when I, was, when I was actually at, when I was actively thinking about it. Give me some like, examples. Like, um, when I, it was like, I was like 16 or something when I was re- seriously thinking about stage names. I figured, um, roll my influences into a name so i like i was like john paul dylan <laughs> i'm like that doesn't sound good i mean i think somebody would probably take something like that or like ben dylan ben dylan <laughs> <laughs> or you could make that a first name and make it bendelin it- <laughs> that kind of works <laughs> <laughs> Bendelin's playing at Bennigan's. Is, is. <laughs> I'm really into drag culture, so I really enjoy coming up with drag queen names because the bad <laughs> ones are the good ones, you know? Like, I just I just discovered that the first five seasons are on Amazon Prime, so I've been watching those because I've never seen them. And I just like What, finished, RuPaul's Drag Race? Yeah. I just finished season four <clears throat> with Sharon Needles. Yeah. Just started season five with, um, who did I just meet? Penetration. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of good ones. And then there's some that like aren't even a pun like that or a play on words. Like, I also really love Alaska Thunderfuck. <laughs> like, what a name. You can just do that. Okay. <laughs> I'm hoping there's some that are just like really um, cold and like clinical. There's just penis. One's just called penis. Yeah. yeah, I don't think there's anyone called penis, but there's a lot of ones like that that are just like one short name. Let me think of an example. Um, or dragon, or like dragon. as in oh, like, like as in the verb, dr- like the dra- d r a g g i n apostrophe, dragon. but the r e dragon. Like they have their like maybe their outfit looks like a dragon. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. But yeah, there's like Phoenix or the princess. And their walk-on music is Stop Dragging My Heart Around by Stevie Nicks and Tom Petty. I think that, I think that just needs to be you. <laughs> you created such a specific persona, you know, right. for yourself. There you Guys, go. you heard it here first. I'm a drag queen now called Dragged. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Start it. <laughs> and then you don't need to come up with a pseudonym for music because you can just let your drag persona (laughs) my dragonym yes exactly (laughs) Uh, that's the next album guys dragonim um (laughs) i think i think you covered it a bit before but uh now that you're in la you're releasing music Mm -hmm. i remember when i first saw that you moved to LA. I thought like, oh, she's going to be an actress, right? She's going to try to be an actress. Is that what's happening? No. 
I'm not really pursuing <laughs> acting at all, which that makes sense. I mean, I was voted class thespian in our high school. So, yep. and a lot of people did think I was going to go to school for musical theater. Um, I actually went to school for film, so didn't do music or theater. Um, but no, I, I mean, I'm not uninterested, but it's just not really what I'm pursuing. It's not what makes me the happiest. Music makes me the happiest. Um, and I have a couple projects that like have been proposed to me. Um, some of my friends wanted to work on like basically like a rock opera <laughs> with me and two of my best friends. And I was like, hell yeah, of course I'm going to like write music in the desert with some of my best friends to make a movie <laughs> musical starring us like that sounds like a dream come true um and i made my own music video when bad reputation came out which was less acting and more just me feeling myself and yeah. trying to look hot <laughs> um but other than that i've been an extra on things too like a friend of mine mostly like music videos and short things like that um, cause I have a lot of friends who make music, so they make a lot of music videos. They need people. And I'm just like, cool. Yeah, I'll do it. Um, but other than that, I'm not really actively pursuing acting now. <laughs> I've, um, as someone who, um, uh, is majoring in film, uh, also English by the way. And, uh, I like, I, I am fascinated by and appreciate every part of the filmmaking process mm -hmm. and so I've been trying to get more into drama mm. via like I'm taking an acting course this mm. semester and last semester I took a playwriting course that's fun and um like I was I, I already knew how to like write screenplays mm -hmm. I was like okay cool and then the um one of my uh, instructors at the University of Hartford, who I've come to know really well, especially because she's like, we I've had a lot of cla a few classes with her, and she's been on the podcast, hmm. and she, I saw like oh she's teaching a playwriting class uh, this coming the, the, for this uh, coming semester. I'm like I'm totally gonna take that. Yeah. And so we spent a lot of time writing ten minute plays. Which uh, got interrupted by COVID and stuff, but mm. like we wrote ten minute plays, and, and we were only able to. F there was like a an absurd number of people that enrolled for this playwriting course that had a cap at like twenty, hmm. and like we were full. And like there's normally not that many people enroll for playwriting, and so yeah. like I remember her saying, um, like most of the time it would be like six to eight people or something like that. They were able to like really like have each person write three 10 minute plays for the whole semester and like really dig in deep and like really revise them and all that. And of course we weren't able to do that uh, for time constraints and also COVID. And mm. like, I really um, got, I, I'm, I'm actually like really enjoying playwriting to the point that like I, first of all, most people in my class did not write things that are any good because a lot of them weren't even like English majors. Yeah. And even the English majors, even the ones that had a creative writing concentration, like were, uh, it was not their bad. <laughs> and like, I liked it so much that like I entered the first 10 minute play I wrote, I entered to the university writing contest and I won first place for drama. Mm -hmm. And then 
um, when things went to shit and online, the second ten-minute play that was like the final thing for the class, I decided to turn it into a musical. And of course, because it's a ten-minute play, there's not much to fit in, so I wrote <laughs> one song for the musical. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the best you can do. Two and of course, in ten minutes is like. Yeah. Why would you do that? <laughs> no, and it sung through t- a song through ten-minute musical. <laughs> God damn. That uh, that'd be torture for me and whoever's witnessing it. It'll be like the last five years. <laughs> and um, so and and of course because I'm me, I decided to turn it into something like just absurdly, like meta and <laughs> not not probably not the coolest thing for anyone to read, but it was like I decided to make it into um a composer playwright person, a person who composes music for plays who wants to write an I want song, if you know that terminology. No, I don't really. It's like, uh, like if you, if you look at any like, like uh, musical in film or stage or whatever from the past, like uh, 50, 60, 70 years, most of the time there's like a big song in the first act where the protagonist like states their goal, their desire, right? Their mm-hmm. what they want, right? Mm-hmm. And so the the conflict in this like ten minute mu- this brief ten minute musical was the, the composer guy wanting to write an I want song, hmm. and he himself I wrote a song for this musical that is the I want song. Of him wanting to write the I want song. Hmm. Of course. Have you ever heard of um, or seen or listened to title of show? I have not. No. (laughs) You need to check it out. It's literally called like there's brackets and it says title of show. Um, And it's a musical about two guys (laughs) writing a musical about two guys writing a musical. And it's super meta and it's so (laughs) funny. Like the songs are about like filling out the forms to submit your musical and like the secondary characters and like, yeah, just it's really great. All it is is it's a four person cast. And so like the two main characters are these two guys writing the musical and then two female supporting characters Mm -hmm. and four chairs and a keyboard. And they (laughs) sing about that too. That's a, that's another play in itself. Four chairs and a keyboard. Mm hmm. Or yeah. like that's that's like the next Beck single, and um, the, <laughs> uh, I got four chairs and a keyboard. Uh, <laughs> so this has evolved into me taking acting this semester, um, which it was originally supposed to be taught by the instructor that taught my playwriting class, but then she got handed a sabbatical like a month out, mm. and now it's uh it's someone else. But so it's a bummer. I don't. Uh, I'm not going to be taking it with her, but um, yeah. I'm hoping to. I mean, I've acted, I've quote unquote acted before in the sense that I've like started my own production where I was literally the only person working on it. <laughs> and, but well, that's acting. Yeah, yeah, but like, um, like I appreciate the art of acting so much, what goes into it, that I want to learn more about it and mm-hmm. not necessarily act on my own. Maybe I could <laughs> by necessity to like to be my own thing or whatever, but yeah. um, at least be better at it. But also, but like, I want to like, use that experience to like like when I whenever I start engaging with actors in a capacity that matters to mm-hmm. like be able to know what I'm talking about and like 
be comfortable with them, you know? Yeah, totally. I feel you. Would you be more interested in acting? Well, I feel like maybe this is a stupid question because you're studying film, but <laughs> are you more interested in film acting or theatrical acting? Well, first of all, I'm not interested in acting like as a profession. Like right. maybe like I might fall into acting to like, again, to like fill out roles and like stuff. Mm. Or, or maybe I will become, maybe I'll be like Jason Schwartzman and like have no acting experience, get dropped into Wes Anderson's Rushmore, just be like, <laughs> yeah, and become like the biggest star ever. But I like, um, I think it is like, I like the idea of just being able to act like to know mm-hmm. what I'm to, so I can so I can know what an actor feels like to know what they feel like on camera they um that I guess that answered the question I I guess I'm more interested in film acting because the, the number one thing is film filmmaking right. so I think it's um it it's about understanding how film actors what they're doing how they feel mm-hmm no oh, that makes sense <laughs> yeah it's really been a long time since I've seriously acted in anything since high school or or not even like in productions for like at emerson yeah i mean i did things at emerson but like it's i mean okay film acting is so different than like putting on a play um Mm -hmm. and anything that i did at emerson it was a short thing that didn't matter that much like i'm thinking back um i acted in a few music videos i got to be a zombie once that was fun um I, this was more of like a musical theater thing, but a friend of mine who was in a directing, what was it? Um, I don't remember exactly what the class was, but it basically was like for acting majors to direct other actors. And he brought Mm -hmm. me in and asked me to perform the Rizzo song from Greece. What is it called? There are worse things I could do. I don't know if that's what it's called or just. I'm not familiar with Greece. Okay. So. Well, anyway, he brought me in to do that. And so, like, there was a bit of a scene involved in that, but it mostly was just for the song. Um, and then I had to act in my own projects, I think, like, only once, though, because, like, my talent couldn't make it. And part of the – I like, part of the reason why I asked this person to act was because she had this kind of geometric-looking tattoo, and that played a role in the film. And I have a kind of geometric-looking tattoo, so I was like, well – we'll use my tattoo instead of hers. Um, But all I had to do was like go for a run, you know, it's very different than when you're cast as a specific role and you have to be on stage. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I'm really excited for this movie musical thing that we're doing. I get to basically play a heightened version of myself. Okay. That's going to be fun. Like, basically... So, in the credits, it will say Felice Magistrali as, in quotes, Felice Magistrali. Magistrali. I think we actually are going to have character names. But at first, when they gave us the script, they were like, it was just our names. It still is our names because we don't have real names yet. But, you know, me and my friends... You mean real fictional names yet? Yeah, fictional names. Character names. Real fake fictional names. (laughs) Real fake names. Mm -hmm. Come on down to real fake names. Always find a way to bring it back to drag culture. Uh, <laughs> is there a working title for this? For the movie musical? Yeah. It's called Motel California. I'm not really <laughs> sure how much information I'm allowed to tell because we really just have like, yeah, like beginning. Well, 
I don't know if it was beginning of quarantine or just before quarantine was when my friends sent me the script and they were like, hey, would you be interested? Like, we kind of wrote this character with you in mind specifically and we asked these two other people who happen to be your best friends to also be on it. And I was like, yeah, I'm interested. It's going to be like summer camp, basically, <laughs> in the middle of the desert. I was so into it. And who's, uh, who's writing the music? Me and the two friends that are going to be starring in it are going to be writing the music. And I guess cool. whoever else, like, we need to enlist to help us write the music but yeah the three of us so one of my friends who's in it my friend Maso he's actually an actor and that's what he's actively pursuing but he's also a musician I work with him all the time he helps me write music he sang a little bit for a little taboo um so he's gonna be great in it and then my other friend is Tim who's in a band called 11120 um I don't think he really acts as much actually he acted for one of my short films at Emerson but, um, yeah, like he's a songwriter too. So all of us who are going to be in this are first and foremost, except Maso maybe, but we are very presently musicians. So we'll just be the ones writing the music from our hearts, that's, making it real. Oh, you know? that's really cool. <laughs> and, um, okay, so back when I was um, writing that uh, brief musical, I got really into the idea like the idea of writing musicals. Like mm. I was listening to a lot of um, Sondheim and like Rent and whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was real, because I was trying to write the song and I was like, what the, what goes into like a musical theater song, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, I drew on like my experience trying to play like jazz standards. I'm like, all those songs came from musical theater productions and like trying to like focus on those. What do those have? What's the form? How do they like um, imbue subtext into the music and mm-hmm. stuff like that? And like to the point where I kind of thought about like I might enjoy like writing full musicals. Yeah, you should give it a try. I'm probably a long way from doing that, but like I'm I like I, there's something about like this tradition of American musical theater that is like fascinating and like i can't believe how rich the history is and whatever and all, especially and and the songs too yeah yeah for real i mean i grew up a theater kid for sure i was obsessed with musical theater and even still like i definitely is not as present in my life as it used to be but every now and then i'll like remember a song from a musical and i'll just be like oh i gotta listen to that or i just want to sing through that um so yeah, it's definitely something special. Yeah, and um, you know, I try to write songs, and most of what they've been have been like in the tradition of a jazz standard because, like, I try to I aspire to play jazz guitar, mm-hmm. and knowing like the connection between how jazz works and how all the songs basically came from musical theater, I'm like, I'm gonna write them like in that form, and like realizing how a lot of them sure sound like love songs, but there's also like real poetry to them and how the, the like the melodies, the chord changes and the lyrics, they all like feed into each other to give such like subtext that, mm-hmm. that really, that, that really works, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, my favorite musical is In the Heights another Lin-Manuel oh, Miranda song yeah. or musical. Yeah. 
I've never seen it. I literally have never seen it in my life. You <laughs> but haven't? I could sing probably every word of every song. And I know the full story just based on the music alone. Like the songs convey so much emotion and so much of the story um, that I really confidently will say, yes, this is my favorite musical, even though I've never actually seen it because the music (laughs) is so powerful. And that is, yeah, I have seen Hamilton. I still prefer it to Hamilton. I must say. Really? Mm -hmm. And that's, in the Heights is like the f- that's the first like real musical Lin Manuel put out, or he like mm-hmm. he wrote and produced that. Like he he debuted it like when he was in college at Wesleyan. Hmm. I didn't know he went to Wesleyan. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, and um, all this like <clears throat> getting into all this like musical theater stuff, like, and also I I'm also really interested in like. Uh, scoring my films Mm. you know totally and learning about composition and how it all feeds back into like me made like majoring in english and finally figuring out like how literature works Mm. you know what i mean it's like Mm -hmm. word choice and like the way they send they structure sentences and it's all that stuff that like gives subtext that comments on the stuff itself and then Mm -hmm. when you apply and i think the best way i've heard like a film studies degree explained to me is it's basically an English degree but applied to films it's hmm. basically the same technique you, but you have an entire frame to work with like the cinematography the writing the, um, the music the, 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 the aspect ratio and stuff that mm-hmm. can all be applied in the same way like if you're close reading like a piece of literature how everything gives subtext and also works in music this the first part it's in major because they're happy but then like it moves to minor because they're sad or whatever like it's right. something as simple as that yeah that can and it's all kind of roll wrap, all wrapped up and like pushed to like the limit in like a pop a short pop song for musical theater right and that's that's kind of that's that's fascinating to me it is fascinating yeah you know learning so much about that and how there's so much more you know forethought to like composing film scores or just songs yeah and people think that yeah it's like that's you know i that is something i can learn from that's something i can apply to like stuff i write yeah yeah writing in general is more than just writing like whether it is writing a story, writing a poem, writing music. Um, you're not, it's not just words that you're working with, you know, you have to convey the emotion. And then depending on what you're writing, there's just so many other elements that go into it. And you're right. Like even just in film scoring, like two people having a conversation, it's a happy conversation. It's major when it's sad, then you switch to minor, like little details like that. I mean, that's such a general vague example. Um, but yeah, it's a lot more than just writing the words and understanding words, you know? Do you know the YouTuber, bass bass player, composer person who uh, by the name of Adam Neely? You, you skipped out. I didn't. I didn't hear that. Oh no! I just said no. Plays uh, jazz. He's an electric bassist, and he also composes and arranges music. And there was just one video of him doing a cover of that song "Clarity" by Zed. Mm-hmm. And the way he arranged it was like it's very electro, jazzy kind of. Like it's mostly it's like programmed drums or not really programmed, but like electronic drums 
like electric keyboard that sounds kind of weird and like a sample of a vocal that's like sped up, pitched up and it sounds not natural. Mm-hmm. And it and it goes like it the arrangement goes like that for a while until Oh wait, the one other thing I forgot to mention is that Adam Neely himself, he's not a vocalist, but he plays like vocoded bass guitar for mm-hmm. like the first half of the song, him quote unquote singing it by a vocoder, right? Yeah. And it sounds like a disembodied, weird robotic voice. But then at some point during the song, it switches to like live drums and actual vocalist without who doesn't have like weird effects applied to their voice. And, you know, he could you could see you could say when that comes, it's a moment of clarity. <sighs> but <No>. um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Like mo- most um, decisions, let's, let's face it, most decisions in music and like the writing and whatever that, may, that give like subtext like that, they're all puns. Let's just face it. 60, per, 60 70% of them are puns. That's just how it is. True. Yeah, you're right. I, there's definitely times when I do stuff like that in my music. It's not necessarily puns, but it's like, oh, this is like a callback to this specific thing that happened. Like, most of my songs are about people or experiences that I go through when interacting with people. And um, if I have a specific person in mind, usually I'll say something about them. I, I really don't want to give you an example because I don't (laughs) want to expose myself like that, but I always think I'm so clever, but only a select few would know what I'm talking about. And that person themselves, if they were to listen to my music. Right, okay. Do you think, um, is lyric writing like the hardest part you would say? For me, yeah, definitely. Um, melodies come to me so easily. I could just, I could sing you one right now. <laughs> um, but I really do have a hard time communicating what I'm feeling. And specifically when I'm writing songs, I get really like sing-songy and rhymey and not because I feel like I have to be like, that's just sort of what feels natural to me. So that's actually why I work with my friend Tommaso a lot. He's a lot better at words with me. And I mean, he wrote some of my favorite lines in a little taboo. He helped me finish writing bad reputation and a little taboo. Like, and there are times too, where I'm always like, no, I don't like that. And then he's like, wait, no, just think about it. And then he explains to me, I'm like, okay, maybe I like that. Like, um, a little taboo. Here's an example of kind of something like punny, but just, you know, a little play on words. The line in the second verse, the first part of the second verse was something that he came up with. And it's, I'm not trying to fall, but you're falling too. I'm, you're catching me. I'm catching you looking at me from across the room. So when he first said that, I was like, that's bullshit. Like no one's catching each other. That defeats the purpose of the song. And then he was like, no, then you continue and say, catching you looking at me, like, you're not, no one's catching anyone in the sense that like, oh, you're falling in love and you're catching each other. It's something yeah. entirely different. And then I was like, oh, okay. I see what you're doing. I like that. But I never would have come up with that on my own. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not. Yeah. Like um, with stuff I've written, I've found like, I'm not, I'm not a lyricist. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just not. Even though like, uh, like even when I'm, in my English courses, I've had to write poems and shit. Yeah. But, like, it's not, it's not really, 
it's just it's not my thing. And even though I do want to write songs and songs have lyrics, like the stuff I've written, they sound like jazz standards. And then when I think about jazz standards, I'm just like, oh, they're love songs, right? I'll just write some real like sappy lovey-dovey lyrics. But yeah. they sound not so bad because it's in like it's played in a very jazz style that's like got a swing to it and whatever. Mm-hmm. And I feel I want to find a way or like to to not have to quote unquote write real lyrics if you know what I mean. I guess I mean what do you mean by real? Like um I, I really like Beck, mm-hmm. and how he wrote like ninety percent of his catalog is just nonsense, but it sounds really cool and it's catchy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like like where it's at and loser. It's like hmm. it, they don't really mean anything, but in this at the same time they. I guess they do mean something. Yeah. I don't know Beck too well, but that kind of reminds me of Hiatus Coyote. Do you know them? I don't think so. Okay. Well, a lot of their songs are just like, what are you saying? What does any of this mean? And I don't know. I've never had heard like Nia Palm, that's the main singer. I've never heard her break down what anything means, but <laughs> it sounds really freaking cool. Yeah. So you could totally do stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, but also it's like if I, I guess if I make records, it'll be by default because I'm just one guy, and like it'll probably be mostly acoustic instruments. It's like oh, a singer songwriter, oh, share your feelings, blah blah blah. Yeah, like, I don't want to do that. Yeah, because I mean, a little taboo for me. I don't know. I recently have been feeling like the lyrics are a bit cliche, but I wrote this song because typically I try to write about these like big concepts that are really weighing on me and I just don't know how to vocalize it. Um, And so this song, um, again, I took one from my friend Tommaso who can write about like anything and will write about really specific experiences. So I was like, okay, I'm going to write a song about this person that I had a crush on um, like at this brief point in my life you know like it was such a what's the word I'm looking for trivial thing you know it's not like it wasn't a big huge relationship it wasn't this feeling that I was struggling with it was just about like a a fleeting moment right exactly um and this random person that like really doesn't have much significance to me so yeah that's where that came from. And that was sort of me trying out a new style and thinking you can write about something really specific and really kind of not important, you know, unimportant, yeah. not important. I just made up my own word. I mean, <laughs> um, in that case, like, I feel like for a little taboo, the lyrics fit the style. Totally. So I'm like, even like I'm listening to it. And it's fun. And like, even though I might not prefer um, like pop, music and especially pop music that's like just um that just has like the like lovey-dovey kind of love song lyrics (laughs) it's like i mean first of all yours are a bit more thought out than like what's whatever is on the top of the charts now but also like again it fits the style and it felt kind of um neo neo solely a little bit and it's like oh i can feel this like yeah like it reminds me of like kind of bouncy, kind of swing, uh, swingy neo soul songs. They're like mm-hmm. they're, they're all love songs, but uh, most songs are love songs. Come on, right? And it's like I can feel it. It's working. It fits the style, and um, you know, it's not it's not it's not the worst thing in the world if you write a love song. Like yeah, that's, 
Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, A Little Taboo is definitely sort of a hybrid between, like, pop and a more, like, alternative kind of R&B, like, neo-soul style. Um, But in terms of, like, love songs, I actually – most, if not all of my songs – yeah, like, all of my songs are about relationships or people or feelings that I have when interacting with people in a romantic way, but I have not written a single love song that's like lovey-dovey, I love you. Like a little taboo is maybe the closest thing. Most of the songs that I write are sort of like fuck you songs. Like <laughs> either like you hurt you me. You got a bad register. Yeah, right? That one is sort of just about um, me being a bit of a brat and thinking like letting my ego take over and being like, mm, you're not good enough for me. Sorry. Like my friends yeah. don't like you, so it's not going to happen. <laughs> but a lot of them are like, you hurt my feelings. Nah. You know, <laughs> like, just like these salty. You're the next Taylor Swift. Is. Yeah. But not like breakup songs. Yeah. Not, some of them are more emotional, but a lot of them are just like, oh, fuck you. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. We'll see as I make more music. You can kind of watch my lyrical and melodic style develop. Yeah. 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 Maybe I'll put out like a Beckish record that that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. yeah. I'm all for it. And maybe you can put out, put out a Beckish record that doesn't make any sense. Maybe I will. You just, know? Well, just like, um, I, th- I think in the case of like people like Beck or like, David Byrne from Talking Heads, they kind of they don't really think about what it actually means. They're they're more like, well, stop stop thinking too much about the words. Think about like sequence of mouth noises, how it sounds. You <laughs> yes. Know? Who did I? Somebody just was talking to me about this recently. How like there are people who specifically write rather than like what am I saying? Like how does what the sounds and the words that are coming out of my mouth sound in relation to like the melody and the instrumentation, everything else is already there. Like they write based on what sound they want to hear. Yeah. You know, like there's a more specific word I can use than sound, but the shape, how the shape of their mouth forms a sound, you know, like a vowel or whatever (laughs) it is. I think you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I do. Right. Weird jazz standards or not jazz standards, but things that sound like jazz standards, but what like really weird lyrics, Beck, Beckish lyrics, talking heads lyrics set yeah. to like jazz. <laughs> I mean, if you're all like, oh, I, I write jazz standards and most jazz standards are love songs, but I'm not into that. Like, would it be any more significant if you wrote a love song versus if you just like picked a few words and wrote nonsense, you know, <laughs> it would be nonsense in one sense or the other. There's something about um, before 1960 that there's there's an even though they're all 97 eight percent of them are love songs. There's something so artful about the the songwriting that makes them you know that makes them stand the test of time. And they're still popular. People still sing them, um, uh, even though it's been year, like decades since they were released. And like they're just, there was just just something about how people wrote and performed music back then that even though they're just love songs, they just they still sound so good. Totally. You know? 
Yeah, absolutely. I totally feel you. I just did a cover of In a Sentimental Mood on Instagram <laughs> like a couple weeks ago. You know, they totally are timeless. All right, I think we're, we, we've been going on for a while. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, you don't, do you, you don't have anything to do after this, do you? Nothing super impressing. <laughs> okay. Super impressing? Is that what you said? Super pressing. Okay. Super yeah. super pressing. Right. Um the I kept thinking like there was some other thing I want to talk to you about. But then um oh uh you're you're flying back east soon. Mm-hmm. For what can I, can I ask what the occasion is? Um, no real occasion. I just, I haven't been home in over a year. Last time I was back in Connecticut was June of 2019. And I miss home. Um, I was going to go to Mexico in April and visit my sister who lives down there. And that didn't happen because of COVID-19. So I was able to like get credit to, I was able to get a refund on one of my flights and then credit for another one that I had to use within a certain amount of time. So I was like, maybe I'll go home for a little bit. So at first I had booked a trip for like a week and then things in California got a lot worse and things in Connecticut (laughs) stayed pretty okay. And so Connecticut was like, fuck no, no one from California can travel to Connecticut without quarantining for two weeks. So I was like, fine, I'll just extend my trip. Um, So I was able to extend it and I'm going to be there for about three weeks and quarantine for the first two and then be able to, you know, go and do some things, see some people within reason for my last week. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm just excited. It'll be nice to get out of LA. Cause like I said, I'm just at home most of the time anyway. I'm not missing out on much if I were to leave <laughs> and Connecticut's beautiful, especially this time of year. I'm really looking forward to just hanging out outside, hanging out with my parents. Really. I haven't seen them since January, seeing my dogs too. That's another big reason. I really, really miss them. It's been over a year since I've seen them. And especially my girl, Lila, she's getting old. Mm. She's my baby. So I need to see her. And yeah, I'm just really excited. I do miss home a lot. Not that I would want to be there for a super long time. I just like, I'm a city girl for sure. I need to be able to have access to tons of things and options to do whatever I want and people that I can see all the time. But it'll be definitely really nice to relax for a little bit, just have some family time, see some people I haven't seen in a while kick it yeah and um of course if the um, circumstances were different i would have um wanted us to do the podcast in person totally but of course that can't happen and yeah. um i mean it's good to it is good to see you yeah totally uh, and, really and talk to you uh, but uh, uh is there something like the reason like the reason I started doing this was to like connect with people and get out of the house. Mm-hmm. And of course that last part can't really be done right now. Right. It's, like it's not, it, uh, it's, it, and especially because I like the reason I like to do things in person is because I like the energy that comes from two people sitting across from each other at a table. Mm-hmm. And also, like, to be, I'm such a control freak. I want, I want to be in charge of the recording. Mm-hmm. I get you. And uh, but of course, that can't be done right now. And 
um, like as people heard heard us say at the uh, on the on the front half, you know, we had a lot of technical difficulties. Yeah, and but look at us now. It's been over an hour. I've been yeah. fine. <laughs> and you know, it's just like I I kept one the entire the idea behind the podcast was to keep doing it, just never stop. And but then the pandemic. Actually, I recorded the last episode of before the pandemic hit. Was actually I recorded it the day that the WHO declared COVID a global pandemic. The day, Mm. the day of. And so, like, even though I wanted to keep doing it, it was like I can't meet with people in person because I would prefer. That's why I prefer doing. And so, like, it inadvertently, like, capped, kneecapped my podcast and, like, made that first stretch of episodes a season one, you could say. Hmm. Well, that's a good way of looking at it. I mean, that is just the experience of the world, is it not? You know? Yeah. We all have to just adapt. I mean, I spent the first few weeks being like oh when things go back to normal when things are better and like we all were hoping that by July we were like by July we'll be fine like sucks for all the Aries and the Tauruses whose birthdays are right now like I'm a Leo <laughs> I just celebrated my birthday in quarantine I think we all at first saw this premature light at the end of the tunnel um, and then once it became more obvious that like this is really serious and it's not going away especially if people are going to keep not taking it seriously and reacting to it the way that they have been This is going to continue to be an issue. And instead of looking at it like, oh, when things go back to normal or, you know, this is such a hindrance to what I'm doing, you just have to adapt to how things are now and figure out what you can do in the given circumstances. So I definitely understand the disappointment and the change in just general vibe of the podcast. I get the appeal of meeting in person and I'm all for that sort of thing too, but I'm glad that you're still doing it. You know, I'm glad we were able to make it work too in these circumstances and yeah. you're just making the most and of it. So. Yeah. But like, like me trying to start it up again, everyone I've contacted so far are people like, I know they have audio equipment mm-hmm. <laughs> because I'm like, I really want this to sound like I, I splurged money on this thing called Zencaster so I can preserve sound quality. And also mm-hmm. I'm trying to like find people who have, I know have audio equipment so that yeah. it sounds like as close to at what I would want it to be, you know? Well, it's going to be a lot of musicians for a while then I would guess. <laughs> yeah. And, but then like, I, I even had thought about like buying like a plexiglass barrier, hmm. but like most of my sessions would be done in like the university of Hartford English department conference room. Cause that's like mm-hmm. where I do most of my recording Mm-hmm. Like talking to my friends who are English majors or like half of my guests so far have been like professors from the English department and thinking like, would I look weird bringing a plexiglass barrier, walking from my car into the building, bring it into the English department I don't know. I <laughs> every I time I have a guest. Does the university have like a radio station or any sort of recording studios that you could use? Yeah, they have recording studios in like uh, the music building and also a two radio stations on campus. But it's still like people um, 
being in close quarters sort of. Totally. You know, so it's like I even measured like the table in the conference room. <laughs> to see like it is it's like three ish feet. Three ish uh, feet if we sat straight across from each other. Or we could go at the long end and be nine feet apart from each other. <laughs> and Well, you could kind of just shift the t- chairs down and do a kind of diagonal type thing and just cheat in a little bit. Yeah, or, you know, know, you could totally change it and, like, do something outside at six feet distance and have the nature sounds in the background, too. And then be like, instead of two people in a room talking, it's just two people outside talking. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I only use dynamics when I'm doing dynamic microphones when I'm doing the podcast. So that might work. That, that could work, I suppose. Could but, work. Could be worth a try. I don't know. There's still, <laughs> like, again, there's still, like the like, the idea of sitting at a table and you're completely engaged talking to each other and all that that yeah. I would want. So, I, I don't know. I guess I'll have to figure it out until then. Mm-hmm. So. Well, you're making do. You'll figure it out. And then uh, eventually, eventually we'll be able to see other people in person again. Yeah. And you'll get yeah. your podcast back. And then, as it was. <laughs> yeah. And then hope, I don't know, maybe, um, Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) That was just me thinking about how long this could go on for, and like I have to I have to talk to people. I just yeah. uh, And I mean, I mean, it's better than just giving up on it completely. Yeah. But um, well, enough of that. Uh, (laughs) It's been a pleasure to have have you on. Yeah, thank you for having me in two separate time frame. Yeah. It's, I usually name, I usually title the file, the date, and then the name of the person. <laughs> but now oh. we're spread over two days. <laughs> well, now I get two dates. So, yeah. but um, it's um, it's cool. It's cool having you on. It's not. It's really nice to see you and talk it's to you too. after yeah. after not, not not doing so for so long. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really nice reconnecting with you. And, yeah, I agree. Uh, your are single, a, a little taboo came out august 28th and it's out now it is it is go listen to it yeah and maybe in the future if you uh we would you would you be interested in returning to the podcast yeah yeah sure all right cool maybe by that time we can like be in people we, we can meet in person yeah that would be great whenever that will be yeah we'll see how long it takes for yeah. that to happen but for sure. Right. Well, uh, 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 thank you again. Yeah, thank you. And, uh, stay safe. Thanks. Yeah, you too. I'll try my best. All right. Uh, that's it for now. Bye. Okay. Bye.